this Sunday today is the third Sunday after Christmas, which is kind of hard to believe, but Christmas was a little wonky this year because Christmas Day was a Sunday, so we it was like we checked two boxes there. It was like technically the first Sunday after Christmas, but also Christmas. It's just kind of a weird year. But that means that today, the third Sunday after Christmas, is a day that we in the Christian calendar and we as the church, we always celebrate and remember the baptism of Jesus. We call this day, it's technically a high church day, it's a day of celebration, and we call it the baptism of our Lord. The baptism of Jesus is something that is told, the story is told to us in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark in great detail, almost exactly the same way in both of those Gospels. And then in Luke and in John, the other two Gospels, it's referred to. So in all four Gospels, we have some sort of an account of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist and all four at the same location, at the Jordan River. And we as a whole, with a a whole host of other denominations, right? I'm sure if you've been in other churches, we believe that baptism is one of the two sacraments that we as the church practice on on a regular basis. Baptism is one of them, and then the Lord's Supper is also one of them, which is something that we happen to do in here each and every week. And a sacrament, right? What is a sacrament? Why do we do these things called sacraments? A sacrament, to put it as simply as we can, is just something that Jesus... Jesus told us that as his followers, we should be doing or practicing as we seek to live a life of faith. So in here, every week, we remember that moment when Jesus told us as his followers to eat of the body of the bread and to drink of the cup. And if you remember, at the very end of Jesus' ministry, after he is resurrected and he's charging his disciples with, with what they are to do before he ascends, he tells them that they are to go and make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so we do these things as a people of faith, trusting that they are a means of grace, that they're a means for us to receive God's grace. We trust that the presence of God is intimately wrapped up with these practices that we do because Christ told us that we should be doing them. And then also just at the baseline, we believe that if, if it's important enough for Jesus to charge us with, then we should do these things as often and as regularly as we can. I was looking back at our records from 2022, and I was pretty amazed by this. Here in the gathering, we celebrated 11 baptisms last year. So some of those were, were doubled up with multiple children, and then one, one Sunday we baptized a whole family. But if you space that out, we almost had a baptism every month last year of, of 2022, which I think is such a cool sign of, of what God is doing here in this community as people not only join the life of our church, but also join this walk with with Christ. But I'm wondering if you were here for a lot of those baptisms, you remember seeing quite a few babies and adults being baptized here in this space with that font. I'm wondering if you ever asked the question, what what is this sacrament? What is this practice? What what is this means of grace? This thing that Jesus charges us to do, what does it really mean? 
What, what is it that we really believe that we are doing here as a people of faith? What do we believe is really happening with this water when this water gets put on someone's head? What do we believe is changing not only in their life, but in the life of our, of our community? And the answer in some ways for us as United Methodists is that it depends just a little bit with what exactly we're doing that day. When we baptize babies... We're celebrating God's prevenient grace in their life, which is something that I'm sure you've heard me say right before we baptize a baby. We're celebrating that that God is choosing and is loving this child before they can even love God back. That because of that, even though they may be unaware of what is happening right now, that they too have a place in the kingdom of God because God has already called them his child. When we baptize an adult, we're still celebrating that prevenient grace because we still believe that God reached out to that person before they were aware of it and before they could see it. But we're also in that moment celebrating that that person's decision to respond to that grace and to respond to that love that they have felt God bestow upon them. So baptism in that scenario is a chance for somebody to, to publicly profess their faith in Christ, and to start this journey as a follower of, of Jesus, and ultimately to say that they are desperately in need of the forgiveness that they know that they find at the feet of Christ. But regardless, if we are baptizing a two-month-old baby or someone that is much older and much more aware of what is happening in that moment, in baptism there is a change of identity, and, and this is something that you have seen happen in every baptism that you have experienced, whether it was your own or watching someone else's. And it's also something that we see happen in the baptism of Jesus. This morning, we're going to be reading the account of Jesus's baptism from the gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew chapter three, and it's verses 13 through 17. Let's read it together now. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John the Baptist, consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the Word of God for you, the people of God, and we say together, Thanks be to God. Names are important aren't they? Don't we agree with that? Names, names are an important part of, of our life. I was having a conversation with Madison, my wife, recently, and we were talking about how crazy it is that if we really think about all the people that we know, like 99% of the time, whatever it is that somebody is named, it just feels like their name fits them perfectly. Do you feel like that? Like, you know that feeling like where you can't imagine someone being given any other name at birth, but they were given that name before anybody knew what they were going to be like, but then it's like it just works out and the name just, it just fits 
We felt that pressure when we were expecting Reed, our son, right? I mean, like we felt that looming pressure of what are we going to name this child? He's going to be stuck with this for the rest of his life. And we want it to fit. We want it to be the right name. We don't want to name him something and then regret it or feel like it doesn't, you know, we don't want him to be someone that changes his name when he gets into his 20s because his parents just like missed the mark with, with his name. And so we ended up doing something a little controversial, right? Maybe your name is like this. We named him James Reed Furio, but he goes by Reed. So Reed is always going to be that kid, right? When he's sitting in school and there's a substitute teacher and they're reading down the roster and they read that first name, James, and he's going to have to raise his hand and say what? I I don't go by James. I go by Reed. But even still, he's only nine months old and we can already tell that at least to us, the name seems to fit. But then, of course, there's always that chance that no one is ever even going to call him Reed once he gets to school because people are just going to call him by some nickname that they gave him that his parents didn't really consent to, right? You may not know this, but Davis, our worship leader, at one time in his life went by the name Depop, which I think is a great nickname. And so, Sally, if you listen really closely, if you get here early and watch him rehearse, you're going to hear Sally be the only person on stage that calls him Depop. And so I will offer you that invitation. If you, if you feel so led, feel free to call Davis Depop. I think it's one of the best nicknames I've ever heard. Honestly, I don't know where it came from. It doesn't matter. It's a great nickname. I have had nicknames my entire life. I went back and thought about all the different things that people have called me. My mom kicked it off when she started calling me Pumpkin when I was a baby, or Punkin, as she would say it. My dad jumped on the train. He started calling me Rossman, and that nickname stuck for, for a little while. As I got older, for some reason, one of my dad's sisters began to call me Rossi. And then that somehow twisted into Rossi Boy, which was one of my least favorite (laughs) nicknames that I've ever been given. Please do not ever call me that. When I played sports, when I played soccer in middle school and high school, people would call me Furio, which I wish people would call me Furio, because I feel like that just sounds so much cooler than the name Ross. One of my favorite memories playing sports was when the O fell off of the back of my jersey, so for a whole season, my last name was Fury. I mean, can you imagine matching up against a kid whose last name is Fury? I mean, come on. And then in youth group, I was somehow given the name Sweet Ross, which I am ashamed of how long that name actually stuck with me. It followed me to college. Uh, Somehow someone at seminary found out that that was my name in Dallas from Birmingham. And so then they start like, it has hung with me for a large percentage of my life. And I know I'm sweet, but please don't call me that, right? Please don't call me that. And then one of my favorites was in high school, When I was in Spanish 1, some of the older guys called me Ross the Boss. Now, you can call me that if you want. I like that one. I've had a lot of of nicknames. None of them are as cool as Depop, but but I've had a lot of nicknames. And and whether you realize it or not, I think think you probably have too. Now, you may not have really experienced that. I don't know. Maybe you've always been called by the name that you were given at birth, or maybe you've just always been called the same name. But whether we realize it or not, I think we are constantly being told who we are by what people try and call us. And I think you know this because we're constantly surrounded by voices telling us who we are, telling us what we are, and telling us what we're, what we're worth. I think you've felt this. I think you've experienced this, right? You're either rich or you're poor. I mean, y'all know this. People have called you this. You've used this language to talk about other people. You're either strong or you're weak, pretty or ugly, fat or skinny, cool or lame, fake or real. Like the list goes on and on and on and on. 
things that we have been named and things that we may use to name other people. Faker, addict, failure, screw-up, right, wrong, conservative, progressive. I mean, it seems like the list is really endless with how we can name not only ourselves, but others. And I think when we allow these names to leave an imprint on how we see ourselves, I think suddenly they become more than just a name, right? They, they suddenly become how we perceive ourselves. They become what we see when we look in the mirror, right? They become who we believe that we are, all because it's what someone else has labeled us, or perhaps what we have labeled ourselves. And one of the things that I absolutely love about baptism, and what I love about this account of Jesus's baptism, is that in the midst of all of that noise, I think we are reminded of who we are. This text is one of my favorites because there's so much going on in this really brief moment that we get in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is baptized. And I've preached on it before. It's something that we get to revisit every year. And in previous years, I've talked about the dialogue that we see between John the Baptist and Jesus and how much sense it makes, right? Like, wouldn't we say that if Jesus came to us and asked us to baptize him? Like, are you serious, Jesus? You want me to baptize you? I think you should be the one baptizing me. I've talked about Jesus's response, how he says, no, 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 John, we need to do this because this is something I need to do to fulfill all righteousness and what exactly Jesus meant by that. I've focused on just generically how we should be a people wrestling with the fact that Jesus here in this moment does what sinners do. That Jesus here in this moment by being baptized does what people do when they need forgiveness. When they admit that they need God in their life. That's something that Jesus does in this moment. What should we be doing with that? But this morning I want us to focus on, if we can, the name that Jesus is given at his baptism. Because I believe it is the name that we are given at our baptisms as well. Jesus rises up out of the water in dramatic fashion and the heavens open up and suddenly they hear a voice from the heavens that they know must be the voice of God. And the voice says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Beloved. Baptism at its core, I think, is the renunciation of all of the stuff that the world tries to label us with, that the world tries to name you as. It's a renunciation of all of the labels that are placed on you. It's a moment where for for just a split second we can see our identity crystal clear. It's where we realize that really in the midst of all of that noise, it's only one label that actually matters. One name that we should really be paying attention to. One thing that we should be seeing when we look in the mirror every morning as we get ready to go for work. And it's a name that we couldn't earn. It's a name that we don't deserve. But it's a name that God gives us anyway. A beloved child of God. In baptism, I think if we strip it all the way down, what it is is a reminder of who we are, who God says that we are. Y'all, the world will always try to name us. There will always be voices trying to penetrate our lives, telling us who we are and what we are worth. 
And sometimes those names will will incite fear and self-doubt, right? Sometimes it'll feel like they're trying to tear us down. I think sometimes those names will tempt us and try and convince us that money and power and success can actually take the place of God in our lives. Regardless, there will always be names hurled at us trying to convince us that that is who we are and what we are worth and what we can amount to. And I think if we let it, baptism should always ground us and, and remind us that we are a beloved child of God and that that is enough. That is all we need. That is the only name that we need to worry about being given. And we didn't deserve it in the first place. Today my hope is that is that whether you are remembering your baptism as a baby when you were first called God's beloved child, or whether you're remembering that moment when you were baptized as an adult and you took that opportunity to respond to God's grace in your life, to claim it, claim it as your own, and you too heard that voice calling you a beloved child of God. My hope is that today and every day when we are reminded of our baptism, which is what we do every single week in here when you come down for communion, that you would know and remember that you are a beloved child of God. And my goodness, I don't know about you, but that sounds like really good news to me. I mean, that sounds like something that we need. There's a reason that we remember our baptisms every week, because I think we need to hear that anew every single week. And my hope today is that you could just simply rest in that. You could acknowledge that there's always going to be someone or something out there that is trying to name you. There's always going to be a voice out there trying to tell you that you're not enough, that you don't deserve it, that you're not going to amount to anything. And I think in those moments, friends, we need to be a people who can remember and hear the voice of God, that we might remember our baptism and know and believe and know down to our core that who we are, who we are, is a beloved child of God, and that that is enough. That is all that we need. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.